0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll talk about the Cardinals all night long We'll talk the games and all the rest About the team that we love best We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long
0: We're gonna talk about the Cardinals all night long Good evening and welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Schwaptoff. C70 is bat at C70 on Twitter. Usually I have well, not usually. I don't I can't say that this year. Alan Medlock has been, you know, is our official co-host. Alan is finally finishing up with baseball season over there at Tulsa uh, Nathan Hale. Um, they have finished their regionals. Alex could take a couple of weeks more, but he will be back with us at the beginning of June and hopefully he can run then throughout the, the rest of the season without any problem. Um, but joining me tonight filling in is uh, Jason Hill. You can find him over at Viva Alberto's and JP Hill underscore cards on Twitter. Jason, thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah. Always a pleasure, man. Good to see you.
0: Yeah. And uh, it, it's been a week of, of things that actually, discuss we're recording this right now as the cardinals are playing the giants it's uh three to one bottom of the fifth as we are doing this i haven't i, I think are they still being no hit um this is fairly you know, i haven't been
1: paying attention to that to be honest i know that that donovan's up and no one is on so
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me uh the cardinals do have a run but uh, without the benefit of a hit earlier on uh let's double check let's this. just say it
1: no yes. hitter. Can we just yeah. say it? That way we can get this, you know, because we don't want that to happen. And so let's just go ahead and jinx this
0: and make that, yep. make that go and, away. And honestly, I think, uh, you know, I pull up game day. And there is no out for Brendan Donovan. So um, we may have just jinxed it. That's good. We're, we're, we're off to a good start. Um, the offense has been an issue this week. Um, yes. Donovan, had a by the days. way,
1: is safe. It was a ball in the in the dirt might've been an error, but too hard of a play. So there is the first hit. Don't have to worry about that.
0: Yeah. That's, um, and again, that's the problem. There are nights where this offense looks like the offense we thought it was going to be right. The second game against the Orioles, everybody kind of, you know, started to hit the ball and we thought, okay, this is good, but this is, you know, the, the first and last game against the Orioles, the offense was non-existent tonight. It's been kind of shut down. Yeah. Um, what to make of this? I mean, is, is there anything to make of this? Um, I think there's a, several
1: things going on and I'm sure that um, it's something that's probably been a point of conversation for you guys and your various you know guests is, is just the state of offense throughout the league. Mm-hmm. And whether we want to say it's the weather, I think that the weather does have a, a, some kind of impact on it, the cool weather. Um, or the new baseball, you know, there's something we could talk about for an hour. Yeah. Uh, It is that it is without question suppressing offense to a significant degree. And and just as an example, I pulled up here um, league stats on fan graphs. So this would be league offense since uh, 2010. And I'm really tempted to go back farther and maybe I will, you know, once we get talking here, but if I sort this column by slugging percentage, mm-hmm. um, in 2019, that's the highest slugging percentage that baseball has had since since 2010, uh, and the average slugging percentage was 4.35. That was that was average, okay. Okay. which is that's that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's kind of like the whole like Juan Encarnacion or you know, Johnny Peralta levels of, of power, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you could, yeah, that's, that's doable. You can, um, yeah.
0: You can, you can use that. May not be your main game. guy, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Yes. that That's average. Yeah. So, you know, that, and that was just, you know, two seasons ago, uh, three seasons ago, I guess 2020, whatever you call that. Um, but you know, 2019 wasn't that long ago. Um, this year, 2022, 373 60 points of slugging lost um which is just I mean that's a ton that's the difference between uh, you know a good power hitter and uh you know a, a below average power hitter And that's everyone in baseball. So that doesn't just include, you know, the guys like, uh, you know, Yadier Molina doesn't have a whole lot of power right now at this point in his career or, or, or Edmondo Sosa, or, you know, pick your, pick your guys from the eighties that, that couldn't hit a home run if they wanted to, you know, it, it, not just those guys, but it's, it's includes the Giancarlo Stantons and the Aaron judges. Some of these guys have home run numbers, but, but just, you know, all of these guys that are normally 20, 30, 40 home run guys, they're, they're down and then the guys that that you know are more in the teens and and in single digits, you know, they're they're struggling to get any kind of power at all. And so, it's just it's just an epidemic, honestly. And it trickles down from there because batting averages down, on base percentage is down across the league. Um, you know, K's really aren't that bad, um, you know, relative to recent history. But there's just there's just very little offense um, around baseball, and it's a, it's enough of a sample size now when when for this season for example there have been 13,896 games played 35,000 played appearances that's a sample size man yeah that's that's enough for it to to be pretty well established um so yeah there might be minor change and a little bit of tweaking as things go on but the reality is is that offense across the league is down and the cardinals are are reflecting the new reality of baseball.
0: I will say, I think I read something about you. You mentioned the strikeout rate being down. I've read that it's basically because pitchers aren't hitting. I mean, that, that oh, well, that's
1: probably true. Actually, that's yeah. a really good point. I, I don't, I, I probably, I guess this league af, offense probably does include pitcher stats from previous yeah. season. Yeah. So, right. you but know, then think but, about that too. If pitcher stats aren't, aren't in mm-hmm, this now, mm-hmm. but yet slugging has dropped 60 point. I mean, that's (laughs) because pitchers don't slug the ball. So
0: (laughs) that's, that's even more, you know, even more dramatic of a change. You know, I think you're just showing that when you mess with the fabric of reality, of baseball reality, there are consequences. (laughs) There are. You start start taking out pitchers for hitting and nobody's going to hit, at least that's what it seems like.
1: Right. And, and, and in some ways, too, you know, part of the I, I kind of feel this, that people are having a difficult time wrapping their minds around what is good offense right now, what is bad offense right now, what's mediocre mm-hmm. offense right now. And and it, it's kind of like what you're saying. There are so many factors to consider from the new ball um, to, uh, you know, the DH in the in the National League for the first time and some other factors like that that are weighing in. It's it's sort of hard to know what all is going on and what's causing it. Uh, and you know, honestly, just from a reality standpoint, as you say, when you change too many factors at once, you never know which factor it is that's impacting, right. you know, a, a large amount of change. And so, what's causing it right now? I I don't know. Oh, lots of different things, but it's extreme.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got the humidor everywhere. Oh yeah, year. that's the other
1: one. I knew there's another, but yeah, humidor right. everywhere. It's going to make a make a difference. That standardized, you know, mm-hmm. humidity around the league is uh, yeah. got to be a factor in
0: this. Which which might be good. During the summer, especially in St. Louis. But, you know, overall, it seems to, at least early on, be one of the factors. Again, so many yeah. different things that could be involved with that. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, we watch the Cardinals, so we get involved with their issues probably more than others. But it does feel like even with all of that, you know, league caveat it's been even worse for them it and it makes it maybe it hasn't maybe it's just because we're watching them but what is it what did I see the score the 15 of their 31 games have scored two or fewer runs yeah um, you know they had not been shut out very often so they're at least being able to put up a run or two but still you know this is a lineup that you know you would think could put up two or three runs with a swing of the bat and haven't been able to
1: right right this is going to surprise you this surprised me Right now, the Cardinals. If there's a stat called WRC plus, uh, weighted runs created plus, I, I know that you're familiar with that, but some of your listeners might not be. And all it is, is 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 sort of like measuring all the different offensive events that happen in a baseball game and kind of weighing them against each other, and then setting that on a 100 scale. So 100 is average, mm-hmm. and uh, you know anything above that is above average. Anything below is. Below. It's pretty simple, really. Um, the Cardinals... Uh, let me just ask you this. <laughs> let me take your, your guess. If you had to guess, where in the league would St. Louis rank right now in weighted runs created plus?
0: Oh... Set factors in the bases and things like that too, right? So, um, uh, I'm not sure if it, it does or, or is it just not. Offens- if it's just offensive stuff. That's probably just or, offensive you know, because batting, base running is a little
1: is separate. Yeah, yeah, if you added base running, and I bet that they would be even even higher. But
0: yeah, I'm guessing that they're higher than I expect level. them to be. So I'm going to. Otherwise, I don't know, they wouldn't be
1: asking the question. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's that whole test taking strategy. Yeah, exactly like, well, right. If this is on there, that's probably not that. Um, I'm going to say, but I'll just go ahead and say fifteenth. Just be right in the middle.
1: Okay, that's what I would have expected. They they are seventh, wow, seventh yeah. in baseball. Now it's just a one hundred and one WRC plus because so many people, so many teams are below mm-hmm. uh, what you know sort of expected or, or below what is average right now. In other words, there's a lot of other teams that are hitting, <laughs> hitting right. worse than the Cardinals are, as bad as it feels like the Cardinals are hitting. But yeah, a one hundred and one, and that's seventh in the league. Now if I sorted it by another category, like uh, WOBA. Uh, they're eighth in WOBA. So, Ooh. you know, I mean, it's like, is this a top 10 offense? Cause it feels like a, a bottom of the league offense just by some of these little, you know, mile markers that we look at, you know, less than three runs scored, however many games right. and getting no hit, you know, it <laughs> you <know>, feels like <laughs> a couple times against the giants themselves, you know? So, but you know, it's just, is the, are the Cardinals, Bad, but good, you know, uh, because our calibration is off, or is just the whole league
0: bad, or, you know. You wonder it's, if it's a little bit, you know, we have, we've, we've, we've used the term a lot feast or famine, boomer buzz. Yeah. They've had a, you know, and I don't know, again, they may be in line with some other teams too, but, you know, like that game against Arizona, 15 singles, and, and they score whatever, and then, you know, score 10 runs against Baltimore. It's like if they're on, they're amazingly deadly. They're yeah. just not on quite as often, but I want to say even what's that stat floating around though. I mean, they've had double digit games of over five runs. It's like yeah. they're, they just don't hit a lot in the middle.
1: Yeah. And that does even out over time. And that is right. one of the problems with like um, looking at even team stats, because even though team individuals on a team can rack up a lot of stats fast, Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just so many plate appearances, even in one game. But a whole team, you know, there's only been what are we the the 30th game of the season tonight?
0: Yeah, real Uh, real close to 17
1: and 13, I think. Um, and so I mean, that's not that many games, and so so the wild swings that you can have—10 runs here, 11 runs here—uh, can can sort of move that run scored, run allowed, you know, metric that you might look at for an individual team pretty significantly. Um, but over time that evens out. And, and a lot of people have pointed at that the, the, either the really low scoring games and, and some of the really high scoring games is inconsistency. And it's a good point. Um, a lot of it probably has to do with the individual pitchers they're facing. Um, but uh, over time that will even out. And when you look at the individual stats within that, you know, even in slugging percentage right now, this one surprised me, they are lower playing in Bush. Bush suppresses power significantly but they're 14th in slugging percentage Hmm. so and that's not weighted that's just that they're just 14th you know it's right there your average and that's in bush that's that plays up a little bit more than it would um, if you're playing say in Colorado so
0: yeah, well, you know, some of that was raised up by those little two-loop doubles <laughs> one you Juan fez has <laughs> had. Right. So, so, not all right. doubles were created equal. Not all doubles you were know. created equal, right. <laughs> it is yeah. interesting. I pulled, the, I pulled up the standings right now just to look because it's one of the things I like. I'm, I'm a pretty basic person, so I like to look at it. It's the run differential. Yeah. You know, they're they're tied with Milwaukee right now before tonight at plus 30. Are um, they really? Yeah, yeah, they are. You know, much, much better than anybody else in the league. Um, yeah. You've got the Mets at plus 36. You've got the Dodgers at plus 76 because they're the Dodgers and you got yeah, the Giants uh-huh. at plus 40 going into that. So, you know, they're, they're right there with everybody, you know, uh, except for the Dodgers in that, you know, you know, run differential, which is, I mean, part of that's because their pitching has been so good.
1: It um, has. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Um, and and then again, we can flip it on its side ear, right? How, how much has that been good pitching and how much of that has been bad offense by everybody else? Right. Right.
1: And it seems like the Cardinals of, of maybe, maybe we could almost give the Cardinals some credit here. Uh, They're, they knew about this. The rest of us might not have known exactly what was going on in the baseball, Mm -hmm. but, but these teams did, DeWitt did, Mo did. And they've built a team and maybe more unintentionally a ballpark that really fits well with run suppression. And so you throw ground ball pitchers out there in a league where players can't hit home runs in a ballpark where you can't hit home runs. And that's, that's a recipe for a lot of low scoring games, but a lot of, a lot of positive outcomes, a lot of wins potentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you would hope so. Especially it's, it's, and we've, other people have talked about this a, a lot too, and you probably as well, but it's almost that inverse cores effect, right? You, you get, you know, you win a lot of games at home for good pitching and on the road, hopefully you're pitching well enough that, yeah. um, you know, you, you know, as long as you take care of business at home, you're doing, you know, you can, you can probably sort
1: of, yeah. And I was sort of thinking about that coming into the season. It's like, well, their pitching staff is like 100% oriented towards pitching at Bush stadium, but it, their offense on the other hand, even though they've, they've been trying to get more left-handed and and I think that's been something they've actively tried to do. I don't know how well they've succeeded. Um, but you know, they've looked at it. I'll put it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. But the, you know, Bush dramatically suppresses right-handed power. And so they went out and they got Goldschmidt, they got Arenado, they've got Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader. That's right-handed power. That's what those guys do. Uh, and so it's almost like they're built to win with pitching at home and with offense on the road. Um, which, I don't know, why don't you just try to get the best players you can get and win everywhere? Uh, but, you know, you kind of have to go with what you, what you got. And, and then there's also the budget constraints, too. But that's that's, off, that's off, uh, off-season talk, so we won't go there. Unless we yeah, yeah, that's fair. And,
0: you know, and again, obviously not going to happen this year. But at some point in time, do they discuss, you know, moving the walls in? Again, I know the thing yeah, yeah, you know, I way. was I
1: checked in on that a couple times during the off season mm-hmm. with because uh, uh, Derek Gould talked about it a little bit, wrote about it a little bit, and I checked in with Jeff Jones of the of the Bevel News Democrat a little bit about that, and he he indicated, and he can talk about this himself, but he indicated pretty clearly to me that that was never going to happen. So you know, maybe it was the point yeah. of conversation and a point of research, you know, for the mm-hmm. team obviously they're going to do due diligence with all of these things, but
0: it just, you know, was probably a non-starter. And, and I can see that. I mean, I mean, there is benefit in having a ballpark that, you know, if you want to focus on pitching or if you don't want to go by pitching, Um, it's just a little bit different because the Cardinals have for so long have been this kind of pitching pipeline, right. Of of minor league pitchers that can come up and, now they don't have that so maybe that's why they they have to cuz they're going to bring up you know guys that are maybe more fringe man major leaguers or you know back of the rotation kind of guys versus you know top line guys that they've been doing so they yeah. need that advantage yeah they
1: do um i, I don't want to give too much away i've been i've been working on something uh, for a while and it was uh a conversation that I listened to with, well, I think it was, I I mentioned this before we recorded, but I think it was um, Cardinals off day, the bins with Kyle Reese Mm -hmm. um, talking about um, the way that the Cardinals system has been able to teach. um, I I wouldn't say fringe or I wouldn't say marginal talents. I mean, you can't describe, you know, Matthew Libertor as a marginal talent, Not, not at all, but he didn't have a good fastball. He didn't have a great fastball. He didn't have a lot of velocity. And and they have actively been able to coach velocity out of some of these younger prospects. So they're they're drafting later, and they're drafting different types of arms, or drafting control arms, or drafting sinker ballers. This is not prime, you know, pitching real estate for the rest mm-hmm. of the league. Uh, Eno Saris has that stuff plus stat. I don't know right. if you're familiar with that, but I know, he does it a, a lot of great it. work. Yeah, with the athletic and and in the Cardinals system, they they rank at the bottom, I mean, just just bottom of the barrel in stuff plus and minor league, you know, mm-hmm. system. And part of that, as you said, is that they don't have that same pipeline of pitching that they used to. They don't, you know, they've got Libertor, and, and, but they didn't have that. You know, Carlos Martinez, Rosenthal, Lance Lynn, you know, these guys that were just sort of coming through the system, it seemed like every year as... Maybe not elite pitching prospects, but good pitching prospects, very good pitching prospects.
0: Or the ones that they traded away, like Alcantara and Game like Alcantara. And yeah, well,
1: yeah, yeah Alcantara is a great example because he was fourth or fifth on the list right. when we traded. It was why they traded. They're like, well, who's going to work out? Well, Alcantara is probably not as likely to work out as as or doesn't have as as much stuff as Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. Mm-hmm. And so he's the one that's expendable. And you know they've all made it to some degree, but. Uh, yeah, I mean that was quite a pitching group, uh, and that was their third group like that, you know. Um, but some of these arms down there, you know, they're 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 showing this level of velocity that they hadn't before. And mm-hmm. someone else, you know, someone smarter than I will have to talk about why that is, or if it's intentional, or if it's just a coaching thing, or if it's just working out that way. But they have less than they should have, but they might have found a way to make more out of it, and I am hopeful that's true.
0: Yeah. I'm hopeful. It does feel like they've made a, you know, obviously they've made great strides in, you know, hitting prospects. They didn't use yeah, all huge. Though, so because they, they used
1: to, yeah, right. I mean, just total system change in that as far as approach. Yeah, uh, and lots of hitting, you know, prospects coming up. But it seems like there's this undercurrent of solid to good pitching prospects there too that don't quite get as much attention. Yeah, but they're 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 there. They're there if you want to look for
0: them. Yeah, and we've seen a little bit of that. Maybe not level but we saw you know this this week we see Jake Walsh get his yeah. his major league debut and you know what struck out for in the first two innings that he has and right. you know we'll we'll see how long he stays up how well that develops and all that but you know that's another arm that they're very high on and looks like You know, it's not the starter level, because I think we always get excited about starters as prospects more than, you know, relief aces or anything like that. But it's another guy that's got a real good chance to help this team and help it to be a successful a successful one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jay, well, as a good example, because, you know, unheralded as a prospect and, Mm -hmm. you know, not really a name that was, you know, all that familiar to us, unless you follow like the Rule 5 draft stuff, because he was – he was a candidate for that. And then they added him to the 40 man roster, which right. is kind of how yeah. I came to know about him. Because here he is. If you're on the 40 man roster and you're a leaf pitcher, there's a good chance you're gonna see the major leagues. Really good chance.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I kind of you know started looking at him and, and following him a little bit at that point. But that was just, you know, <laughs> that was just this fall. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean he he um unheralded prospect, but I mean, he can pitch and he he could probably have a pretty significant role in this bullpen this season uh, if they didn't already have a half dozen guys ahead of them. Um, hang on. Oh, no, nope, not going to make it. Uh, Dilson, Dylan Carlson just hit a yeah. 2019 home run, but it, it got uh, just shy of the warning track in 2022. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> he needed to hit that one a little harder to so go back little, in time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. But
1: yeah, I mean, there's, there's some, you know, just like it seems like always, there's a whole bunch of guys, down on the Cardinals system that no one really knows about except the Cardinals and Kyle Reese. And Kyle Reese. Uh, Yeah. Um, But (laughs) they're there and, and, you know, have the makings of significant contributors down, down the road.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what we've talked about on for a long time. It's just that, and it gets termed the Cardinal way, which is really, I mean, it's fair. I think it's a fair term, but yeah. that idea of getting them prepared so they can step right in and contribute right, yeah. at some point in time. Now these guys aren't necessarily high-end guys and these guys may not be guys that are going to be around for a couple of years. Um, but when they get their chance, they're going to produce. It's kind of like this week and we'll get to, this kind of let, maybe this lets us shift to the, the yeah. big topic of the week, but um, you know, Kramer Robinson comes up for two games, and his one, you know, he doesn't. He comes into a game that the Cardinals are, are are blowing out the Orioles, but still, he comes in, gets a ground ball RBI. Yeah, he also throws a ball away, but that's another story. I mean, <laughs> right. but, you know, well, he yeah. didn't. He didn't really look. I mean, in that little small sample, he didn't look overmatched. Um, you know, obviously Juan Yepes has come up, Brandon uh, Brandon Donovan has come up, and they haven't looked, you know, lost or anything of that. They've been able to contribute from the get go. And I think that's partly because of how this organization prepares people starting in single A, to kind of follow the same patterns and follow the same path all the way up to the major leagues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If, if you can develop guys, this is going to sound like the most cliche thing I've ever said, but if you can <laughs> develop guys that can hit the ball and catch the ball and field the ball and throw the ball, then you're going to, you know, (laughs) then you're probably going to be like Kramer Robertson's a great guy, a great example. I mean, he, he's a system guy. I remember talking uh, on Viva Alberto's and some of the comment sections on a couple of these posts, uh, probably a transaction post by Mm -hmm. uh, Skyrick, um, who uh, is one of our, you know, transaction gurus over there. Uh, Boy, you guys, I'll just give a big plug for him. Skyrick Esquire, S-E-S-Q, um, he is he is the king of transactions and transaction history. And um, so if you're ever wondering how some guy got here, he is the guy to go and read. But, um, you know, Robertson is um, I kind of lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? Totally Ooh. lost it, Dan. Just, just right <laughs> out the window. Just you started doing the plug
0: for the team. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I gave the plug, and gone. and, then, and
1: then, re- then now you're really going to go visit the site because clearly this guy knows what he's talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you're talking about the comments in there. I know that much. So
1: yeah. Well, I don't know. I lost it completely.
0: Yeah. But somebody will tell us after listened the they listen to this. They will. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Was I talking about Kramer? What
1: was I talking about? Yeah,
0: we were talking about Kramer.
1: Yeah,
0: so I don't know exactly sure where you were going with it, but well, if
1: it comes back to me, then then I'll you know, it'll probably be we'll probably be in the middle of some Paul DeYoung conversation, and it'll hit me, and I'll let you know. Yeah, there we go. but But, you know, I got like I got like Robertson. This wasn't what I was going to say. You, he's athletic. You know, he can he can Mm. hit a little bit. He's I know what I was going to say. Now he came back to me. He's a system guy. He's been around for a while. You know, and I think the Cardinals, um, they're a heartless corporation, but they're not, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, yeah, there's a bottom line and this is a business and, and it's, it's sometimes hard for us as fans to remember that, but they did not have to put Kramer Robertson. We talked about this. You and I did. Right. Um, they did not have to put Kramer Robertson on the 40 man roster and give him a, a two day call up. They could have just waited with the Paul de Young transaction, which I'm sure we'll talk about and waited for Edmundo Sosa to clear um, his rehab, and then just made the made the move. Then it would from the timing, it would have been a little bit more awkward. Instead of at the beginning of a series, it might have been at the end of a series. But it would have worked. Right. And but instead, they made the choice to give a guy who's devoted his professional career to the Cardinals and been a good soldier to give him a cup of coffee in the majors because he because he'd earned it. And let him show off his athleticism by pinch running, you know, and then then having a, a bad in an RBI situation, and that's that's a great reward. And yeah. it didn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense from a roster management standpoint because now the roster is full, the forty man roster is full, and yeah, you know, Kramer Robertson's probably a guy that you could you know send through waivers at some point and probably clear, but. But they chose to do that anyway to give him an opportunity to to reach the major leagues. And that's, I don't know, I find that special. Like that's that's dreams being made for a guy that's, you know, given his all to the Cardinals that, you know, a lot of people don't know about. But, but it, it was a good moment in my opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, we often see those in... Um... In September, or we used to see those in September. You You can't see them anymore. more, more, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. When you now only have two roster spots, which is something I've railed against before, and I won't do it again. But, (laughs) right, you know, I mean, you're right. To be able to have that, that that did pan out. Because, you know, as you said, they could have timed it different. Edmundo Sosa was down for two days. He could have been down for one, you know? I mean, they could have gone without a middle infield backup for a day and then just gone ahead and activated Sosa. Um, but this is probably the best chance that Graham Robinson has of, of making the major leagues. And, right. and it is nice to, to get a chance to see some of that. And, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about, or we've, I don't know if we've talked a about it, but Oliver Mall has talked about performance matters and, and things yeah. about that and, and how that, how they treat um, people like Paul DeYoung, but also others as well of how they're performing, you know, to keeping up Andre Polante, you know, for one thing, you know, he was doing well, but when the rosters sh- shrank, it would have been very easy for him to go down because he had options. And yeah. they were like, what kind of message does that send to the minor leaguers coming up that, you know, you want them to know that, they're going to get a fair shake or they you know, if they can produce, they're going to be here and they're going to be able yeah. to take that. And so I think that the Robinson move plays into that as well. It's like, look, if you play well enough, if you can, you know, keep grinding, you don't have to be the top guy. You don't have to be the super prospect, but you still got a chance to at least get your cup of coffee.
1: Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that we want to talk about that, but the, you know, sometimes when you when you do that, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing here. I, I'm trying to mm-hmm. agree with you by disagreeing with you. <laughs> but, but Andre Polante, in my opinion, others can disagree. This is a debatable point. So, mm-hmm. listener, if you disagree with me, that's fine. I understand. There's two sides to this one. But I feel like the best development move for Andre Polante is getting him back into the AAA rotation. You know, he, yeah, okay. he's a starting pitcher prospect, Fair. and this is a team that could use, <laughs> use some starting <laughs> pitcher prospects, especially someone that's shown, you know, he. Um, what is Andre Pallante shown? He can get guys out, right. you know, that would be great uh, from the rotation, but he's got some stuff to work on from the rotation. And there's some question about whether the velocity that he's showing as a reliever would would show up over six or seven mm. innings, and that's a legitimate question. Um, but, you know, the best thing for Polante from a development standpoint is probably letting him, you know, go back down to the Memphis and pitch in the rotation. But the best thing from a performance standpoint is, is doing exactly what he's doing. Okay. And so you do kind of have to weigh that. And the Cardinals have to weigh that. What, you know, where does performance matter versus development? Where does rewarding performance happen versus, you know, the need for development and... You know, it's a fine line between rewarding Kramer Robertson and rewarding Polante, but yet Polante is not developing maybe the way that he should. And Robertson gets a spot that maybe is going to be awkward later. You know, sometimes you got to do that and, right. um, and make adjustments later. I mean, Jordan Hicks, for example, started tonight's game. Um, I kind of felt like it was a mistake to move him to the bullpen when they did. It was a Matheny type move. And I understood that, but he was a legit, elite starting pitcher prospect. And a lot has happened since then, but you know, here we are three or four years later and they're finally trying to make that move back to what Jordan Hicks was at the beginning for a variety of reasons. Um, some of which don't really have a whole lot to do with wanting him to be a starter, but wanting to manage his workload and his schedule. Um, so, you know, sometimes it takes a, a while to circle around and kind of write some of those things that were done in a moment because of performance, but um, you kind of have to manage that and you kind of have to let it happen. Otherwise, you know, you, you might not get the kind of talent you want.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a balancing act between the short term needs of an organization trying to win and the long term needs of an organization trying to win and the players, you know, development. Right. Um, Right. You know, I'm sure Jordan Hicks is, not arguing the fact that he got to be in the major leagues after no. real, one year of minor league service, yeah. um, although he
1: might like a starter's salary, you know, exactly. the last couple of years. Exactly. That, and that's the that's the flip side. You turn mm-hmm. Hinces Cabrera, and I'm not even saying these are bad moves. This right, problem when right. I always make this argument is that it gets interpreted as a bad decision. I'm not saying that, but you know, Hinces Cabrera, uh, um, uh, Helsley, Ryan Helsley, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of these guys, Alex Reyes, even you know, um, were starters coming up in the minors and out of need out of some of which performance, but mostly out of need though, they got, they got pushed into uh, an accelerated bullpen role and that's where they stayed and um, useful to the team. But I don't know, some part of me thinks that if Ryan Helms was a starter right right now, uh, good things would be happening. Um, But um, yeah, you got to balance it.
0: Yeah, you do. And, you know, you could have argued that maybe this winter you don't, sign a Stephen mass and you let a Hillsley have it. Um, you know, let him develop into it. Kind of like you're seeing with, you know, Jordan Hicks, you know, kind of develop out, but flip side of that is, you know, if you have two of those guys in your rotation, you're really kind of stretching the bullpen out. Um, right. Right. So there's a lot of, a lot of different dynamics and things going into play there. Um, Okay, we've danced around the big topic. We have. Let's go. Let's enough. do it. We, we get yes, to we it. danced really well, but let's do it. Let's yeah. go. I've got Paul Young, Paul yes. which has been the topic of conversation right for a number of years now, but especially this year, um, gets demoted this, you know, on Monday to Memphis in a move I don't nobody was surprised that this happened. Uh, in the fact that he obviously could use this. But I think there was some surprise that the Cardinals actually did this and they didn't yeah. just, you know, bench him. They didn't, you know, just, you know, say, okay, we're going to let him you know, work in the cage. They went the, the whole distance of sending him down to Memphis. Um, and I said, I didn't see that coming. Did you? Um, well, no, let
1: me just say this. I had mentioned it in a couple posts and a couple tweets as a possibility just because mm-hmm. that's what you say, you know. I mean, like, right. like wh- wh- yeah, what are you going to do? Theoretically possible, yeah. But... Theoretically possible. What are you going to do with him? You, you, it wouldn't be beneficial to him to to be in a bench role and try to work through his struggles. That's, that usually doesn't mm-hmm. work. Right. Um, but they also, you know, his struggles have are now so well documented over such a long period of time that something had to be done you know, eventually I've, I've had that June first date in my mind is what I've Mm -hmm. just kept sort of saying over and over again. They, it, it splits the season up into thirds and that's the day where you can rest absolutely secure that there's no chance of, of a prospect coming up and getting that extra year, you know, uh, from a service time perspective. And so that's kind of, you know, Paul DeYoung, I felt like was going to get two months and they shorted him by like three weeks uh, well and, and especially when you consider that the season didn't start April first either. It's probably right. probably just got a month is all it got.
0: It was it was very interesting. It was a point that I had not ever considered because I don't think about the legalities of baseball. But Paul DeYoung came up you know, on May 28th, I think. It was. Oh, did you pick this up too? Yeah, I, I go ahead. I, yeah. I, I heard the same thing this week and it's, it's, it yeah. explains
1: everything in my opinion, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, that that in just a couple of weeks here at the end of the month, he's at five years and he can't be demoted without his permission. Right. Um, so with the Cardinals making this move now, they kind of, you know, they still had the the option to do that. Still had him. they still had yeah. control
1: over the situation. They didn't want to right. lose
0: that control. Yeah. And that that probably played as much as anything. But you know, it was I mean it's fairly clear that the bottom had really dropped out for Paul DeYoung. I know you wrote about yeah. it uh, this week and you can talk a little bit about that post because it's really you know well done real research. But you know, even if you just look at the surface level of things there was really nothing going on, and especially it felt like it was getting worse instead um, yeah. better.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I did write about it, uh, and you can you can quickly or easily do a little search over at Viva Albertos and pull the pull the post up. I, I titled the post um, the Paul DeYoung post. I didn't want to write mm-hmm. because the reality is, as as a heart of a time as Cardinals fans have given Paul DeYoung um, recently. And I think you guys were talking about it last week. You know, he's he's probably the longest tenured shortstop that the Cardinals have had since Ozzie Smith. Yeah. And he is he's a huge success story. If you just think of his story, not his actual performance. Here's a guy mm-hmm. that, you know, wasn't really drafted or considered as a shortstop um marginal hitting talent coming up through the system performed well if you look at his monolith stats they are pretty right. they're, they're relatively impressive considering his prospect pedigree which mm-hmm. is always something we could debate especially when it comes to cardinals people have been whiffing on on cardinal prospect pedigrees for a long time but um you know not not extremely athletic not not the kind of guy that you would expect would be able to take to a position like shortstop but he did and not only did he sort of learn how to play shortstop on the fly in the high minors but then came up and really produced defensively at a very demanding position on a team that demands a lot out of their shortstops i mean we are Ooh. as you know picky about shortstop defense as any franchise because of our history right and well and well we should be but and yeah, I probably will have the record for most home runs by a Cardinals shortstop for quite a while just because of the quantity of, of years that he played and his one true skill, his only real skill besides some defensive ability, was hitting the ball out of the ballpark. So in the age of the home run, um, Paul DeYoung provided something the Cardinals have never had, which is power from the shortstop position while playing quality defense. And that is something worth recognizing and celebrating to some extent mm-hmm. but you also got to know when it's when it's over right. and i'm not saying that it's over forever but the stats indicate that deyoung has been pretty much in um, a continual state of decline since his, <laughs> since his first day of arriving in the majors you know his yeah. first year was a little bit lucky but it was it was a fun year i mean he he hit uh you know pretty Pretty well that rookie season, mm-hmm. um, surprising amount of power. I think he surprised the league with his ability to drive the ball out of the ballpark. Hit 285. Who would have thought that that Paul DeYoung, yeah. as we know him today, would hit 285 as a 23-year-old rookie, 532 slugging per I mean, just these are numbers we'd never seen before from a shortstop. Even some, you know, Edgar Edgar Rinteria would have hit two eighty five. I'm sure X right. hit 285, but not with that same level of you know just impressive power but you know from there it was just it wasn't straight downhill but it was pretty significant drop um that same stat i mentioned before i think tells the story really well weighted runs created hmm. his rookie season 123 23 percentage points above league average the next year 2018 103 the next year 101 the next year this is 2020 when he had covid 87 then last year 86 and then this year 29. it just and by the time you get down to 86 you're, you're down in a raw for call territory. I mean you're that's Cesarus tourists you know kinds of yeah. you know levels of, of offensive production and um, the defense plays but it just you gotta have something a little bit more from the bat. and uh, yeah. it was the, it was the loss of power, the decline in home runs, um, the inability to do anything but hit fly balls. Mm-hmm. Um, inability to make consistent contact that that plagued him from the very beginning of his career. That was not new. That was expected. Um, that just got to where it wasn't manageable anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Longtime listeners of this show have known because Alan and I have talked about Paul DeYoung. Yeah. You know, at least till, till 2019, because I have always tended to point out that you know he had 31 doubles and 30 homers in 2019. And yeah. yet his OPS plus was 99. So he was, yeah. you know, in that, by that margin, just slightly below average, even with a 30, 30, double 30, 30 home run season. Right. Right. I mean, I think that just, and you're right. The defense, he doesn't get the credit for the defense here. And if you're going to hit 30 home runs um, and put up an OPS plus of, of league average and play good defense, then yeah, there's, yeah. there's probably room for you, but you know, he was an all-star that year and probably right. didn't necessarily need to be. It's, it's like, that April was great. And that after that April, it's just been a a free fall pretty much the whole time. And, you know, he's had, you know, we've talked, you, you, you wrote wrote about it. You wrote about it, had COVID. He's had the, the side issues, had the rib, and you know, some injury situations and things like that. But, you know, after we saw him in spring this year, kind of thought, okay, maybe, you know, maybe he's healthy. Maybe he's made these adjustments that we, you know, you read all those stories in the winter about how he, you know, went to this place and went to that place and he's got a better mental mindset. And, but you know what? We hear that
1: every year from players that are struggling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's great. It's, it's, it's admirable players should do it, you know, but working out all winter with drive line or whatever can help you a little bit, but you know, it's not going to, it's not going to change who you are as
0: a hitter. Yeah. My father mentioned it to, to me this week and I a so it's a comparison I didn't really think about and I don't know how much it holds water but I think it has some merit he mentioned Paul DeYoung in the same sentence as Alan Craig um, you yeah. know obviously Alan Craig dropped off a steeper cliff because he was good for two or three I mean he was really good yeah for two or three instead years, of like, like six
1: this. season or five seasons it was like uh, three seasons right for Craig right
0: yeah I'm he gonna, was I'm pull that up while be, yeah, I've got him up here you know in 2013 he had an OPS plus of 129. He was, you know, had MVP votes and things of that nature. In 2014, he's traded to Boston because he's hitting yeah. 215. You know, right. 100 points of average the next year, and he never never recovered from no, that.
1: No, no, yeah.
0: Um, I, I don't know. Same age, yeah, like
1: that. 28, 29. Yeah, same point in yeah. his career. Similar kind of yeah. – kind of. well, not really. I'm going to change that. Let me, let me scratch that. Yeah, Not I all mean, that similar. Alan Craig had a pretty impressive contact, too. That's the surprising part, yeah. is that Craig could really make contact and, and had a good hit tool. And the power was there, but he wasn't pure power like Deion was. Right.
0: But, you know, the Cardinals trade into Boston, and he spends more time in – Pawtucket, I think is what their Triple A AAA yeah. team is. Uh, you know than he ever did in St. Louis. Went to the yeah. Padres, stayed in their minor league system for a year. or So and you know kind of watched out of baseball. And and you yeah, would not have yeah. thought that watching the 2011 season in the World Series that in four years he was going to be done.
1: You no, know? no. But
0: you know once it's gone, it's gone. And it's man, it's and, and again two games in the minor leagues. You hate to you know you don't want to draw a lot of conclusions, but. You know, Paul DeYoung still hasn't gotten a hit in those two games either. He went zero for five right. tonight with three strikeouts. Right. Um You know when you're when you're gone down to, you know, try to face lesser pitching and try to to work, You know, again, working on something. Who knows? You know, don't want to you know write him off after you know eight or nine at bats in in Triple A. But you know, after you know, you look at this. You know, come next week, come two weeks from now, and if he's still hitting under two hundred, it at triple a then you really start to wonder boy are we going to see paul de young again he's got a contract for nine million dollars next year the cardinals are going to have yeah. to pay no matter but you know and we can talk about some of the other contracts they may have to eat this year because there's a few that that might so you know do they do that do they i don't know what they do with him honestly i, I yeah. have trouble imagining them just letting him go but i don't know that he can play in the minors again next year.
1: Yeah. And I kind of wrote about that a little bit, you know, at the end of the, my piece um, on V of Alberto's is that I'm struggling to figure out like what, what he could do at double a, that would convince me that he's back because right. like what he struggles with, um, and this is this is not news to anyone that's watching him over his career, but it's always nice when the stats match with what we're seeing with our eyes, right? That's that's what you love as a mm-hmm. baseball analyst. And what we see is a, a lot of strikeouts and a lot of fly balls, and some of those fly balls leave the park, but a lot of them, you know, find their way to 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 mitts. And, Especially this year, yeah. And and as you know, the biggest thing about him is that as as the league itself has transitioned from primarily a fastball league to primarily mm-hmm. a, a breaking ball league, or at least, you know, breaking plus off-speed kind of thing. A lot of, slide. I mean, baseball right now is just throwing sliders like crazy. Almost 25% right. of all pitches are sliders, not even okay, just curveballs or, or changes, but sliders. Um, and, you know, fastball percentages are down 20, or 45%, 46%, somewhere right in there. and. And you know, that's where it is for for Paul DeYoung. Is about 45, 46% fastballs, lots of off speed or lots of breaking pitches, some off speed pitches, a lot of sliders. And that's the way it is in the in the majors. I, I would have to talk to some other people, but I imagine you're gonna see more fastballs in the minor leagues in AAA. Right. And right. you're going to see breaking pitches there, but you're not going to see refined breaking pitches. And so right. throughout his career, Paul DeYoung has shown recently that he he cannot hit off speed or breaking pitches. He just right. he just can't do it. I can pull up the stats, but but you guys just have to trust me on that one. I yeah, I've, yeah, I've looked at the baseball, savant yeah. in the last yeah, two or three years, especially. It's
0: like you know, it's like less than a hundred, if that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's
1: things. it's ugly. You know, it's ugly, and that's the. But but he hit fastballs so well, and if you're seeing sixty percent fastballs, it makes it makes up for it. Tyler O'Neill mm-hmm. and others, Harrison Bader in particular, was that way too, and you know you, you can make that work. So so he goes down to AAA. And let's say he, he continues, which we, we've seen this already, he continues to strike out at too high a rate and continues mm-hmm. to hit fly balls. But if more of those leave the park, because he's seeing more worse fastballs and fewer bad or good breaking balls a whole bunch of bad breaking balls, that doesn't prove really anything to me. Right. It just proves that, yeah, bad pitching, he could still hit it. Well, we need to know how he can do against good pitching. And we've got four years of... Data telling us that that's not all that encouraging. So I wish him all the best, and I certainly hope that he can figure out what it is that he needs to figure out. But I don't see the part of his game that can improve. I just, I just don't see it. And some bad luck might help, but it's not bad luck, and it's not. Someone mentioned getting some. I think Mo said get some confidence. You know, it's not an issue of confidence. It's just this is who he is. Yeah. And so, you know, I I don't, I don't know. I, I hate, I really, as I said, this is the post I don't want to write, but because I always try to leave readers with something they can hang their hats on. And, but I really struggled with that with the young and, and I don't know, I don't know what he can do that would really get him back to what he was even in 2019.
0: Yeah, you're you're right. It can't, it's a little hard to be bad at luck when he's not putting it in play. <laughs> yeah. Know? If you can't um, get the ball in play then exactly, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and even for- in
1: 2019 as a good example, you talk about bad bip luck. In 2019 yeah. his batting average on balls in play, that's what bad bip is, was 259. And average is 300. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it becomes an issue it's like, well, maybe he just had bad luck in 2019. Well, no, he just doesn't make contact. You know, and and when he does, it's most of the time it's poor contact because it's a fly ball, and home runs, as as you probably know, Dana, home runs don't count as part of your batting average in, sure. in badminton. It's not a ball yeah. in play; it's a ball that's out of play. So when all you do is hit home runs, you you don't. It just shows how little of his contact, you know, finds its mm-hmm. way outside of gloves. It just it doesn't happen. He's just not the kind of hitter he is. Lots yeah, of loft, a- but nothing else.
0: It's really interesting you know pulling up the pitches on everyone baseball savant you know back when he broke in in 2017 he hit 324 on breaking pitch on off-speed pitches yeah and, yeah early you know, in his career it
1: he was he was a little bit better about it and i i didn't know what to make of that other than that it was five years ago six you know four well, years ago 2018 i think he was pretty good too
0: it's uh, also very interesting in, well, and it's also very interesting to look at this, though. He hit three twenty-four on off speed pitches in twenty seventeen. Yeah. But his expected batting average was two twenty-four. Oh uh, his expected good catch. batting average on breaking yeah, so, pitches was so two the still. So he so got so lucky the, his first year.
1: You're right. So the the batted ball data, the the how hard he hit the ball and the types mm-hmm. of ball he hit didn't support the kind of batting average on off speed or breaking pitches that he had, which shows yeah. up the usually it can't it can, not always predictive. Um it really tells you what should have happened, but not what will happen. These expected stats. And, but yeah, in that case, it showed up the next, the next few years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a man, you know, looking at this, this year whiff percentage on breaking pitches was 46.2, 46. Yeah. Percent right. And 31% on off speed pitches. I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, I think there's going to be, if, Paul DeYoung, especially in you know ballparks that are somewhat smaller, especially as the weather warms up, and especially if it gets you know a little bit loft. If Paul DeYoung hits four or five home runs in a three week span, he should. Yeah, and you know, and Mundo Sosa, and and Brendan Donovan maybe struggle a little bit. I mean, see, there's going to be some. I don't want to say some clamor because, but for some, especially casual fans, are going to say, "Well, why aren't they bringing DeYoung back up?" And yeah. like, then they might they might partly because they're paying him and, and hope that some of that translates to the major leagues, but well,
1: and it kind of goes to know. that thing that we're talking about with performance and, and things like that mm-hmm. too, is that, you know, you, and, and we kind of saw this with Dexter Fowler a little bit and with Matt Carpenter as well, that you want to be able to show other players, potential free agents that you're willing to give a veteran player who has an established track record in an all-star game, you know, in his previous, you're willing to give them time to work through their struggles um that is not a huge deal for the superstar caliber players that we hope they would bring in but they don't bring in but it is a big deal for for example a guy like Corey dickerson or you know some of these other guys that sort of right. fill out the back end of a roster um, where you got to be able to guarantee them playing time and you got to kind of be able to guarantee them that you know they won't let a prospect come up and take their spot in three weeks
0: yeah and, you know, when I talked about contracts the Cardinals might have to eat, Corey Dickerson was was one of them. Yeah, right. Just because, you know, we've seen Juan Lopez. I mean, granted, that was, you know, his first week. We'll see how the league adjusts to him and how he adjusts to the league. Yeah, he, he
1: won't it. be. I love Juan Lopez, obviously. <laughs> I've been talking, right. I was I took a lot of heat for talking about how much I wanted to see Juan Lopez instead of Albert Pujols. I took a lot of heat for that. Yes, you did. Maybe now I'm, maybe now, I mean, yeah, Juan Lopez is an exciting young player. I mean, he's just... Just a a joy to watch play baseball. Um, But he's not going to be this good forever. So, yeah. Yeah. I gave you some of that heat too. You did. Yeah. um, I I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was walking into.
0: (laughs) 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 I watched Alvin Kool too when I was a kid. (laughs) Right. And um, and again, that was, it was not that, uh, I don't know that any of us argued necessarily. And I, I don't know that I did that. Albert Pujols made the team better. It just made it, yeah, no, more fun to watch. I think, or you know, yeah, the, for the, a few some, weeks. So. My, my
1: right. point was always
0: makes it funner for a few
1: for a few weeks. But I think even yeah. right now we're seeing some of the some of the Twitter complaining and stuff like that. You know, you're not hearing, yeah. oh, the Cardinals are losing again. But Albert Pujols was there. You don't you don't hear that very often.
0: But no, I, I mean, even
1: I get excited about you know, when it comes up to, to bat. I I watch. Don't really expect right. much, but I watch because that's, well, and that's the history, people you know? that are
0: going to the stadium, yeah, that you know, yeah, yeah, well, well like look at the stadium. I mean, and,
1: I'm just yeah. just looking up there right now. They're showing the whole stadium, and it's it's full ish, yeah. and that's I mean, uh, yeah, just after 2020, and then most of 2021 without fans there. That's mm-hmm. just good to see, and yeah. you know, yeah,
0: just just good to see. So again, we we kind of talked you know, a couple weeks as we as in general Cardinal fans, yeah, about this idea of, okay, when they move on from DeYoung and however that was gonna be, that's when Nolan Gorman's coming in. And yet the Cardinals <laughs> not only have not moved Tommy Edmund over to short, you know, they're playing Brandon Donovan there. Right, and they're right. keeping Nolan Gorman down. What do you, I mean, what do you think? A, I'm not- a fascinating decision, as I said in one of my tweets. To it's not a bad <laughs> one.
1: I find I find it fascinating that that they would move a non shortstop to shortstop to let him have some have his shot at things. Uh, while keeping a career shortstop, I'm not in the majors, but you know Ed, Tommy Edmund was a career right. shortstop until he got right. to the majors, and then he came up as a third baseman. So, you know, there's that. So the people that people that question Tommy Edmonds' arm, I'm like, you realize he came up as a third baseman, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, um, uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, is your question specifically regarding Gorman, or
0: about Edmund or about the whole scenario? I think it's more about the Hulson. Uh, one one part of it is why are the Cardinals – and I, I get it somewhat, but I'm, I'm really just a little bit curious, and I don't, so I don't want to say this like yeah. accus, accusatory, but sure. why are the Cardinals so determined that Tommy Edmonds should play second? Is it because he won the Gold Glove last year? If they think that – or is there some reason that they – I mean, you're right. They, he came up as a shortstop. He's played third base is there some reason that they don't necessarily want him playing shortstop in the big leagues?
1: I honestly, Daniel, I don't know mm-hmm. because it just seems it's a, it just, it just seems like it makes so much sense. Doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. if you, you can look at the arm, I think, I think what people are doing, they're trying to explain this. And so they're searching for potential reasons why something might be right. Including, right. for example, they might not have the strongest. arm. well, no, you'd probably, they're probably right. It doesn't have the strongest arm. It's probably shortstop caliber. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe not Gold Glove caliber, but when when we saw, I mean, it's not like Tommy Edmund hasn't played shortstop in the majors. He was the first choice for the club when DeYoung was out in 2020. Who was the guy that got the starting gig at shortstop? It was immediately Tommy Edmund. You know, no question about it. Now they had you know different situation back then a couple of years ago, but but he's you know he's done it uh, at the majors and looked really good there, frankly. And the stats bear that out, small sample size, but you know, you could, he he didn't, he didn't stink. You would know if he did. Right. So, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I think there's some comfort there. I think, um, I, you know, I think there's a little bit of this sort of seniority thing and performance thing that we're looking at as well, because, you know, one of the things that I can't remember if it was Derek Gould or Jeff Jones, um, talked about, but, but Mo um, or posted about, I think it came from Mo talking about how they want to give, or maybe it was Marmol. I might be confused on who said this, but I, I apologize mm-hmm. in, to about that, but, but they want to give Edmundo Sosa, you know, a, a shot at this. Yeah. And I'm not a big believer in Sosa as a starter, but from what he did last year, if you think about, you know, sort of, you um, oh, the pecking order a little bit, Sosa would be next uh, on it. And he probably right. does earn a little bit more time. And yeah, he had COVID and yeah, he was down and the timing was unfortunate, but he probably should be the next guy in line, which is again, sort of interesting that that Donovan is getting, <laughs> is getting these mm-hmm. starts. Um, but um, I, I just don't know. It seems like they, they've always made space for their prospects. That has always happened. When their prospects are ready, and we can talk about that's another conversation we can talk about. But if if they need to make space at some point soon for Nolan Gorman and his offensive stats, sure seem to indicate that needs to happen immediately, if not soon. Um, then the the you, you say this a lot. And I, I agree with you every time you say it. The path of least resistance mm-hmm. is not you know displacing Tommy Edmond to a bench role. But it's moving Tommy Edmond across the diamond where there's an obvious gap and letting Nolan Gorman come up and play second. That just makes sense to me. Um, I think completely believe that Edmond can handle it. He said that he could. I don't feel like the Cardinals organization has displayed any kind of lack of confidence in Tommy Edmond's ability to play there. I think mm-hmm. in some ways they have basically said, yeah, he hasn't played there and we'd like to let him work out there a little bit before we throw him over in the most important position that's not catcher on the infield. Um, so that's part of it too. But I just, I don't know. I really don't know what they're thinking um, right now with that other than perhaps they just want Edmundo supposed to have a little shot for a little while. Yeah. And then, which is why they're playing Brendan Donovan. Yeah. So, Definitely, I mean, there goes yeah. that
0: argument. Well, that's a, uh, and that is a little bit of a hot hand, right? Because Donovan had started to show a little bit, Um and Sosa has been out. Uh, yeah, I am a little bit surprised that Sosa hasn't gotten. I a would have thought
1: I would have thought that he would have been in there tonight. But Donovan does yeah. bat, bat left-handed, and Marmol rightfully loves him because he is yeah. he is the kind of player that that coaches. I don't even mean this as a criticism. You know, he's the kind of player that coaches love. I mean, he just he's got grit and determination and skill and flexibility. I mean, he's just a national league, you know, manager's dream, even though though the national league's defunct, but, but still, you know, it's, it's, you still love that kind of player and he's got that in spades and he's got some real offensive ability. Um, So it makes sense, but you know, I haven't seen him much at shortstop. I'd be surprised if he could just take to the position immediately. Um, You know, just hasn't done it. You know, Tommy Mm -hmm. Edmonds played, you know, more shortstop in the major leagues then Brendan Donovan has played at shortstop his entire, you know, career, right. including college. So, yeah. you know, totally yeah. new thing for him.
0: I do wonder my only thing, and I don't have any, any kind of stats for back to this, but I don't know if there are out there. I'm sure there are. And and you could probably maybe in some stats point for everything out there. Out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I just wonder if the Cardinals, obviously ground ball heavy, I wonder if they get more balls towards second base than they do short or they, you know, something of that nature where they feel like second base is more important to be a steady go glove type place than, and, and shortstop you can play around on the edges. I mean, well, again, that, I don't know that that's true, but that's that, just you know, kind of wonder I wonder.
1: Yeah. That would defy conventional wisdom. Um, yeah. but sometimes the, the stats defy convention. Sometimes what we think is true is not true. Um, I don't. That would be really surprised if that was the case with shortstop, True. considering you know positional value over time and all that stuff. But, um, well, you see, that got me. You got me thinking, Daniel. When I stop, when I start thinking, I stop. I stop talking. <laughs> <That> is <laughs> but, which fun. is great for a podcast. Uh, but yeah, I, they, I'll, I'll put it this way, and I think it was Kyle Reese that planted this thought in my mind. The Cardinals kind of act that way. Because you know, I mean, Colton Wong, of course, he was one of their, you know, number, you know, first round picks, and and obviously was a phenomenal defender. But but they they have put more of a player emphasis on second base than they than they have. Recently. Of course, well, Paul DeYoung, you know, but uh, like I said, yeah. I've been watching this happen for a couple of years. So so they had shortstop covered, but they've had better defenders at second base for quite a while than they have at shortstop. And they plowed through a number of shortstops over the years that some of which had fairly questionable defensive abilities. Um, so yeah, they, they've made for some reason second base into a prime defensive position and, and, you know, with the way they're acting right now, it does make you think that maybe they think it's more valuable than say I would. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was me, Brendan Donovan would be starting at, at second tonight and Tommy Edmond would be over there working out, you know, at, at short and Sosa would be getting his shot. Cause he is a terrific defender and, mm. you know, Gorman would be knocking on the door, you know, just knocking as hard as he can be.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause I think that's, you know, there's, there is that, you know, Gorman's has slipped a little bit and he's still striking out quite a bit at, at the minor league level. So there are arguments that he still needs a little bit of development. Yeah,
1: I don't um, think those are particularly good arguments personally. You know, a strikeout no, rate fair. over uh, over a few weeks just doesn't bother me um, because of sample sizes. Uh, you're just you're not yeah. talking about that. And plus, when you're talking about a guy that's already hit, I think, 13 home runs, 12, 13, something like that. I uh, can't mm. remember the one he hit yesterday. He, he hits one every 13. day, it seems like. So, yeah. yeah. You know, is uh, it's just it's such an odd, such a statistical oddity that it it changes the way sort of everything else looks. And and when you're, (laughs) I've seen this a couple times in the world. When you're just hot like that, you're just swinging, and he's just kind of swinging right now. And there are holes in his game, and I think there's some development, you know, that that still could happen. But um, there's one thing to say that he is developed and there's another thing to say that he's ready for the major leagues, because I think, I think what I've been hearing from a lot of fans is, well, he still has this to work on, or he mm-hmm. might struggle when he comes up. And I think we saw that from Dylan Carlson and, and some others of these young prospects, you know, Tommy Edmond was not, Juan Lopez is not a young prospect Um, from these young prospects. they, they're ready and they're out of developmental milestones in the minors before they are capable of producing at their mature level at the major leagues, but they still have to go somewhere. You can't bury them. And you can't bury Nolan Gorman, one of the best hitting prospects in baseball in triple a for two seasons. You can't do that because he just, he's not, I mean, triple a pitching is not getting any better at some point. He has to see what he, what a major league pitcher looks like. And he has to mm-hmm. struggle against them, and he will, just like yeah. Dylan Carlson did, just like Tyler O'Neill did, because he has to know what he doesn't know, and he doesn't know what he doesn't know until he knows it.
0: I wonder, though, you know, we've seen that, right? We've seen Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, not come yeah. out. We've had a couple of others. I think Julio Rodriguez out of Seattle. I haven't looked at his stats, but you have seen some stuff about him maybe struggling. I wonder if there's also that idea of wanting the team to be better before he comes up. So he's not kind of heralded as a savior and then struggles and everything gets sideways. Yeah. I mean, again, that's a, yeah, that's kind of a, a quality, a qualitative instead of quantitative, you know, reason to keep him down. And I don't know that it's a necessarily exciting one, but you know, right now everybody thinks, Nolan is gonna come up and, and and light this team on fire. Yeah, if and Nolan that, Gorman that, comes up and hits like Paul DeYoung, then what yeah, do you think? Yeah, that's know. a
1: dangerous that's a dangerous thing because well for, for one thing, Bush Stadium suppresses power, right? Mm-hmm. And Gorman, that's not that Gorman can't do a lot of things well. He can do a lot of things well with the bat. But right, right now his primary skill is is crushing fastballs, you know, um, as hard as anyone else can hit them. Just just crushes them, right? And so, yeah, I mean, that, that is a hard thing to do at the major league level when you see when you see pitchers that throw breaking pitches and all these sliders that I'm talking about that you've never seen before. And, yeah, the odds of Gorman coming up and even being as mature looking as Juan Lopez, um mm-hmm. are are pretty slim because he's not that mature of a of a hitter. Um, I would I would say and your point about, you know, not having any pressure on him is a really good one. I would say that there's a good chance that Nolan Gorman will come up and look an awful lot like Dylan Carlson did when he came up. Yeah. Now Carlson's got a different game, but he was also a more mature hitter, and we saw how much Carlson struggled against changeups. He'd never seen major league changeups, and he just didn't know what to do with them for three weeks. And he got down, he went down, he probably saw you know a hundred different changeups from Machine for a few weeks, and came back, and you know was was more right, was more of himself. And, but, but Gorman has to have a chance to have that struggles. And so if it can be at a time where the club's not relying on him to fix the offense, all the better. Yeah. And in a time where he to, also doesn't have to worry so much about playing a position that's still new to him. To me, that that's kind of the issue. And kind of what I've settled on is that all of these things are what they are, but Nolan Gorman is still a new second baseman and on a team that demands performance from their infielders, even if moving yeah. Tommy Edmund over, even if he's good there, you're still, you still need someone that can really get the ball when Dakota Hudson and Steven Matz and Miles Miklas are on the Hill. Oh, and, and Wainwright too, for that matter, yeah. Well, Jordan Hicks. I mean, all of them, all of them. And Gorman, you know, is he ready for that defensively? Uh, you'd have to defer to someone else, but, but everything I've been rating says sort of, but not at the level we're accustomed to. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, of factors. I, I do feel like I, I've always been one that argues and I think it's still the case. Cardinals don't worry as much about service time. I know a lot of people yeah. look, tend to, no, think I agree that, with you oh. on that one. Oh, oh more, more recently they've
1: had to because they've had some elite hitting prospects and they haven't in the past. That's what it right. was down
0: to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, you know if they if they worry about service time jordan hicks wouldn't have jumped from single life no, so no um so um okay so we've gone over our hour but there are a couple of <laughs> things as paul goldschmidt makes it yeah, 8 to 2 it makes something um, in the game yeah um couple of points i want to ask you about out of the bullpen okay. one of which and make sure i get my words right um, cause I got a decent chance of getting fined and my wife, Michelle, will, you know, gosh, darn it. Um, okay. Well, my internet gave out on me in the middle of my conversation because <laughs> I think that he was, it was tired of listening to me ramble, but there were a couple of points that I wanted to make here, or at least get your input on. So we're going to statch this to the end of it. But, um, Cody Whitley, uh, yeah. goes down when, when, um, Jake Walsh comes up, um, his last two outings were were struggle. Um, you know, he walked four guys against the giants, uh, didn't get any outs. Um, as, as for one of those, do you think it was something that they saw in him that, that needs to be worked on or is it just a, he had options and we needed fresh arms?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably that, I mean, it's, it's possible. It was the, the first of those, um, I didn't get to – well, I got to watch part of that outing, and he didn't look particularly, <laughs> particularly good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, up until that point uh, this season, um, you know, he had been the kind of coded Whitley that we expected. You right. know, one of the things about this, this type of um, league environment that we have right now is that guys come up and down. And so mm-hmm. I, it seemed very obvious to me pretty early in spring training when other guys were getting looks and Whitley was sort of on the back burner. Um, which is odd. The reason why I find that odd is because he sort of exited last season as, as a go-to reliever. And so I kind of wondered whether that would carry forward or not, but it looked pretty early to me. Like they had him pegged as that Memphis shuttle kind of guy, not because of, um, a lack of talent or ability or, or anything. Just because if you're going to have short inning starters and use guys like, like, Um, you know, Jordan Hicks and to some degree, even like Matt's probably should be going fewer innings and definitely Dakota Hudson. Um, You know, you've got to, you've got to have long relievers and you've got to be able to cycle through relievers. Mm -hmm. And so I I really feel like, you know, maybe they saw something that Whitley needed to work on, but mostly they, they burned Whitley up for a few days and they knew with Wayne Wright on the COVID IL too, that, you know, they might need Packy Naughton, uh, uh, you know, Right. I don't know why they would need him, but, um, you know, they might've thought they might've needed someone that could in an emergency, give them three or four innings. They Are pitched you integrating the guy here.
0: wearing number 70? I,
1: I <laughs> <thought>. <laughs> well, you know, it's not about the number or his name. I'm a, I'm a fan of, of and he might be a. Val- I'm not trying to say he's not going to be a valuable pitcher, but I don't think right. anyone expects him to be a, you know, a multi-inning no. starter no. for the Cardinals. No. He's there to eat innings. Uh, But, but if you look at it based on performance, I don't know how anyone frankly could look at Cody Whitley's performance and say, yeah, he needs to go down and then look at Packy. You know, I like to call him just Packy. I don't know if that's okay or not, but look at Packy's performance and say, oh yeah, that guy needs to stay up because yeah, Whitley wasn't very good for a couple of starts, but has been, or outings has been pretty good. And really, you know, Packy hadn't shown a whole lot, you know so far, uh, other than the ability to, you know, fill in innings when the game is not on the line.
0: Well, and we've seen that this, you know, filling innings is a big thing, you know, again with Jordan Hicks and and others maybe not going as deep, so I think that did play probably the biggest part of it. Um, It was just very interesting. I looked at, you know, a couple of games of Whitley just kind of comparing, you know, a, a game earlier from last year and a game from this year that he struggled in, and you know, he was missing a lot higher and
1: yeah, he misses high as when he, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. When he's off and you know, you, you start wondering, okay, is there an arm issue? Is there something else? Kyle Reese pointed out there was, he seemed to be losing his grip on, I think on his changeup. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's the ball again, you know, not necessarily yeah. the new ball,
1: but just the, right. the different grip, uh, you know, the post spider attack era. Yeah. So, not that Cody Whitley was using spider attack, just that the way the balls are getting handled is, is they're slick. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And the, probably going to have that uh, you know a couple of, just a couple of games in a row you start to think okay is yeah. there is there's something here it's gone down to memphis he's thrown one inning giving up a couple hits but no runs i'm sure he'll be back pretty soon and you're right I, they don't use it and, and that kind of ties into another part of question that we'll talk about here in a second but you know cody whitley ended last year he didn't give up a run in september um yeah he seems to be a guy that yeah you could you could rely on and he didn't give up a run i think till like you know those Maybe one run before this. This last two weeks, this last two outings. Right. So, yeah, you know, he's been very effective. We've also seen, obviously, we talked about it a little earlier, Ryan Helsley be just dominant. And yet, you know, again, tonight, a situation the Cardinals are behind, but you know, we're still in the game. They don't go to Helsley. Helsley hasn't pitched since they faced the Giants last weekend. You know, he didn't pitch yeah. at all in the Baltimore series. You know it feels like there are times we've seen that, that he's missed complete series. What, I mean, I, I feel like Ollie Marmol has, you know, knows what he's got in, in Helsley. We've seen him make, you know, be in high leverage situations, but those guys got to pitch some point in time. Anyway, you can't just hold them out for the perfect situation.
1: No, no. And what, what is the perfect situation? Right. You know, the way that they get, and <sighs> Marmol, you know, Ollie is a, is a rookie manager, but, boy do i say this this early i've been thinking it i hate to say it i particularly hate to say it here recorded but i feel like i feel like marmol should know better you know than to yeah. than to let someone like helsley a multi-inning capable reliever not be used in situations where what's the problem right now right they're their starter they've got a hurt or, well, i guess he's not hurt you know wainwright's been out with covid And Hicks can't go deep into games yet, both because of performance and because of pitch counts. although the pitch counts are starting to become less of a deal. He's just not getting deep into games. Um, And and the same with some of these other guys. Well, that's when you use these multi-inning relievers. And sometimes the best use of Ryan Helsley is not the eighth inning. Sometimes maybe it is the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh innings. Maybe not mm-hmm. maybe not all four but the right. way he's <laughs> the way he's <laughs> ripping through batters right now he could go through three innings in, in you know 30 35 40 pitches and yeah maybe you burn him for a few days but that's better than giving those innings to, to Packey um or you know when when uh verhagen was up you know I, I actually I kind of expect verhagen to be pretty good to be honest um but mm-hmm. you know y- you don't want to give multiple innings to your worst guys you want to give multiple innings to the guys that can get guys out. And especially with the number of relievers that they have that I feel like are quality, quality relievers. You know, they probably only have like one or two guys that I don't want out there very often. They can run Whitley and Cabrera and Gallegos and Helsley. And to some degree, Whitgren, definitely Woodford, who's not pitching so well tonight, but has been, Pitching pretty well lately, you could run them for two or three innings and just use a different guy the next night. And, right. and yeah, you burn up individuals at different times, but you don't burn up the whole pin. You burn one guy, mm-hmm. you, then another guy gets to rest. And I, I wish Marmol should be doing that. I mean, if, if they're trying to model this after what they've seen on the Rays and the Dodgers, those teams do this. They've got that figured out. And, you know, maybe he'll get better at it. I think he, I like, I still like Marmol as a manager. Don't get me wrong, you know, but. Um, you know, he needs to he needs to figure out how to use these guys more effectively and when to use them and when not to use them. And I don't think he's quite there yet.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, yeah, I just you know, and again, you we've got you're right, they've got a lot of guys out there. We're, we're talking about Polente. Yeah, Palante, you know, Right. Use him for three or Ballante. four innings. Right. <laughs> right. Let him has, throw that changeup. You know? And he's yeah. thrown all of you know five innings this month. I mean, right. Yeah. Where he and, in go in a that. month
1: where they've needed they've needed long relief outings. Yeah. You know, why not why not use polante for four or five innings if you need to? In, in, in yeah. behind, you know, almost like in a piggyback, hate to use the word piggyback. But, you know, it doesn't have to be the thing about using a piggyback situation is an organized situation. You're going right. to use Polante after Hicks because that's the way you've got it scheduled. Right. You don't have to organize it that way. You just have to be prepared
0: to do it. Right. Um, and then the last point goes to tonight and it goes to one of those. I assume that you were referring to when you said you didn't you know, want to see out there. Um, Cardinals gambled on TJ McFarland. Uh, Um, and it feels like that gamble has, it's again, still somewhat early, but you know, there was a lot of risk involved in bringing a guy that, you know, they pull off the waiver wire and has a good year, um, especially a reliever back. And it feels like it's starting to blow up in their face. Um, you know, a lot of inherited runners are scoring, um, you know there are games where he'll come in and, and you know get the outs that he's supposed to, but it feels more often than not that it's it's not coming easily if it does come, and it's often not coming.
1: Yeah, looking through his stats, here, his ground ball rate is down significantly. Um, that feels like an early season quirk. Um, just ten innings, mm-hmm. um, so that's the kind of st- you know these kind of like batted ball profile stats can vary pretty significantly because a couple balls leave a ballpark or or fly balls instead of ground balls and it tweaks the stat quite a bit Mm -hmm. um what do you think um you might have it up so it might not be a mystery what do you think tj mcfarland's era is right now
0: well before tonight yeah i do have it up so it's oh did he pitch tonight yeah, he gave up. Uh, he gave up a number. Oh, of he sure
1: did pitch tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see it there at the yeah, top of the screen. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's going gonna, gonna to defeat my point here. Yeah. Well, going into the night, it, yeah, you're right. It felt like he was pretty, pretty bad, but it was just an ERA under four and a half, four point three five. Uh, yeah. You know, which was, is not great, but honestly, I wouldn't have expected a whole lot better from TJ McFarlane. I know that sure. last year it was a, you know, he had a two fifty six ERA last year, but he was miscast in that late inning reliever role. He just was. And, and his FIP FIP you know fielding independent pitching um, was significantly higher. He outperformed that by a lot. A lot of ground balls, and you kind of expect that. And, and Bush Stadium suppresses home runs. He didn't give up a lot of home runs last year, but he also didn't strike guys out. And if you can't strike guys out, um, at some point you're going to get hit, and runs mm-hmm. are going to score. And we're seeing some of that. And uh, did he give up? A, no, he gave up a three. Did he give up a three run home run or something like that? That must have been when I was uh, no, rambling he about DeYoung.
0: He gave up a two-run homer. He gave up like a double that brought in the runs that Whitgren had plus one of his own, I think. And that's the thing, you know. You look here; you're right. Four thirty-five ERA, but he's had forty-two percent of his inherited runners score. Not before tonight, which is gonna that's gonna go up. That's gonna be closer to you know probably closer to fifty now, fifty percent. Yeah, right. um, Which obviously doesn't reflect in his ERA. You know, you know that. But um, and that's yeah you know, That's what concerns me because it does feel like that you know we go back to it a little bit but Marmal has so often brought him in with runners on thinking he's gonna get that double play right. or get that grand ball or whatever, and occasionally he does, but a lot more often you know he's given up a couple of a hits or a couple of runs that may not go against him, but you know they still count on the board,
1: yeah, yeah. And he probably needs to be in that sort of lefty specialist role, uh, as opposed to the ground ball getter, double play getter that he was like last year. Yeah. Um, but you know, with the three batter minimum, it's just sort of hard to keep a guy around that that sort of sits in that role. Now, um, this is sad. I've already forgotten him. Who 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 was the guy last year? The lefty reliever, same situation. What was his Luis name? Garcia. No, no, not, no. No, 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 uh, no. Uh, Wade LeBlanc. Yeah, no, no, before oh. that, before that. Uh, I'll have to, I'm going to have to pull it up now. Yeah. Um, shoot. Um, he was pretty good in 2020, I guess, and then um, just fell off a cliff in 2021. Another lefty reliever, short short reliever. Um, um, boy, this, this kind of thing where our
0: trivia should be better than this. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be, oh, yeah, that guy, but.
1: Yeah, uh, um, da, 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 da. interesting um, audio here.
0: Someone yeah. tell a joke or something. We all <laughs> scramble, <laughs> scramble around to find last year's roster. Um, you know, everybody everybody's excited about that. Um, huh. the, the, Tyler
1: Webb, there he is. Tyler,
0: yeah, 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 there he yeah, is. Yeah, Tyler yeah. Webb.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot like the Tyler Webb situation, uh, although Webb was significantly worse. But Webb got 16 innings to prove himself in, in a Mike air yeah. era. So, um, you know, uh, McFarland's going to be pushing Webb's ERA, which at that time when he got, uh, did he get sent down or just does, doesn't? He he uh, yeah, because yeah, he pitched the rest
0: yeah. of the he pitched the rest of the year. Yeah, ERA. I was going to say he got
1: yeah DFA. Yeah. He may have um, yeah, he
0: cleared, cleared waivers, but he pushed waivers. waivers.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, a 13.22 ERA uh, and a 5.74 WHIP, uh, mm-hmm. 16 innings, 22 games. So. You know that's kind of um, a mile marker there. I, I think McFarland hasn't looked quite as bad as yeah. as that yet, uh, although I didn't see him pitch today. So well, um, Webb,
0: Webb was walking everybody. You know, nineteen. He was, walks, yeah, so and that, that was totally uncharacteristic
1: to... for him. So yeah. that was just sort of an oddity. Uh, that's another thing. You know that McFarland's doing right now is walking. To me, he's not walking a lot compared to the rest of the league, but compared to himself, he's walking a lot. And, uh, you know, I think there's a decent chance that maybe that Ollie can kind of figure out his role and get him sorted out. But it needs to be low leverage and it needs to be against lefties. And, um, uh, you know, it it just needs to be the right situation.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I think that's... uh gonna do it for tonight i know we've run longer than normal but i feel like you know kind of a lot of good stuff so yeah lots, um, lots
1: to talk about tonight really
0: yeah um check out jason let's see you're writing what tuesdays and saturdays over at viva is that right uh, wednesdays and saturdays
1: Thursdays. yeah over at viva alberto's and um yeah should be a, a, an analysis article once a week and something fun you know on saturdays because <laughs> who wants who wants deep Detailed content on a Saturday morning. No,
0: so. nobody, nobody, nobody. Not, I don't either. <laughs> I hope, I hope not. I hope nobody wants it during the week because that's the That's what keeps me in business. So, <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> anyway, just, <laughs> thanks for joining me tonight for for filling in Alan's shoes and uh, a good again, sometime soon.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Anytime.
0: Uh, like I said, Jason, uh, Alan will be back in a couple of weeks uh, at the beginning in June, so we'll probably have another guest host in here next week. Um, also if you're interested, if you're on the discord thing, I, we still have the, the meet me at mutual discord group. You can join in there and chat about the show or other random things if you want to, um, until next week though, for Jason, I'm Daniel. Good night.
1: 17 strikeouts in one game.